Welcome back to Make Pods Great Again. I'm your host, John, and I'm here with Nikki. Nikki, how are you? Doing good. Before we uh, get kicked off into the podcast, we'll talk about our sponsor this week, which again is Mobility Movement, which I'm really excited about. How's it going for you? You know, it's been going really well. I have been feeling so much better since forcing myself <laughs> to do some mobility, which you know, neither one of us are particularly good at sticking with. But, but as of this week, because it's been helping and I've been feeling so much better, I have officially graduated to the standing desk for in my work from home situation because I don't want to undo all the good work that it's been like, you know, all the, all the good work I've been doing and all the positive results I've been seeing. So there you have it. Now I'm, now I'm officially working at the standing desk because I've been going in and doing, honestly, I've been doing their little 10 minute sessions, which has been the easiest way for me to just find a way to squeeze it in. Cause I can like do it on my lunch break or like do it right when I wake up. I don't necessarily have to dedicate a, lo- a longer period, but they do have those longer period ones, like the 20, 30 minute ones, which is also nice when I can like find time to convince my husband to do it with me or like make an event out of it. So overall been really good. And, and, spilling over positively into other parts of my life, which is nice. Wow. That sounded really cryptic. Well, for me, it's been, uh, <laughs> for me, it's been great. It's been helping me calm down, which kind of in a stressful time has been really important yeah. for me. So I've, I've really enjoyed that. And, uh, so yeah, so big recommendation for mobility movement. So I'd tell you guys go out and uh, download their app and get it on Apple store. Uh, whatever you Android users use, I don't know what you <laughs> use. Just download the app. Uh, you can use a promo code MPGA two five. And that'll get you 25% discount on the first invoice for any of their reoccurring memberships. Uh, the monthly membership with a discount is going to be $7.45 after the trial period. And then there's a six-month membership with discount is $42.74 after the trial period. So that six-month membership is a better deal, uh, obviously, financially. But uh, we know some of you, you know, you're scared of commitment, uh, says, <laughs> the, says the divorce guy. So, uh, you know, if, you might want to do that monthly membership so that works. So go download the app, Mobility Movement. They spell the last name different though. It's M-V-M-N-T, all bendy, flexible letters. No, no vowels. No vowels. Vowels hate mobility. Yes, vowels <laughs> hate mobility. So don't don't download anything with a vowel. So go download it today. Get your 25% off. Use promo code MPGA25. With that, on to the show. Welcome to Make Pods Great Again. I'm your host, John Woolley. Hope everybody's doing well. Nikki, how are you doing? Okay. I'm, I'm hanging in there. How about you? Uh, i tell you how my week's gone. I'm drinking boxed wine. Oh, so this, oh my yes, gosh. It's a like, little, a, like a it is, juice box full a, of wine. No, no it's, like, um, it's like those things you get chocolate milk in. Yep. I was, yeah, I was up at Walgreens wearing my little mask earlier, and I'm like, I want some wine. I want some, I want to, let's see what this one is. Oh, yeah, it's an excellent month. That'll be great. And we have so, reached handheld box wine level. That's what 2020 is like, yep. you know, that yep. what tw- it just describes 2020 in a sentence. 100%. I know. But tonight, got a good friend on, Marquand Jones, games athlete. How are you, man? I'm doing well. I'm super excited to be on and never had box wine before, but I'm thinking about it now. I know. <laughs> I think I might need to send you some. <laughs> Probably. I wouldn't be drinking a wine, Casey's all about it, though, so. Yeah, it's good. Um, it's, it, it's actually okay. It's look, it says right on the box, right on the box, 70 gold medals. Oh, yes. See, look, show her, right, show her the Casey. label. Yeah. See Casey, look, 70 gold medal. How many 70, gold medals do you guys have? Yeah. How many gold medals do you have? Quan? this has 70, <laughs> 70 gold medals. 
You, tell her that you can get it at the drugstore, so you know it's good. <laughs> you know it's good. I mean, it was it was four ninety nine, four ninety nine. I mean, it was like, that. is it a red or is it a white? What oh yes, it? it's oh Cab- only the best. Quan. You actually the best can't tell because it comes in yes. a box, so yes. you have no idea what color it is. Oh, yeah. uh, it's just random. <laughs> All right, cool. Totally <laughs> random. So Nikki, I don't know if I ever told you, but Quan's like uh, his gem was one of the first gems to latch on to me. Actually, I kind of learned Instagram from his gym because when I first started making memes, I would look, look I would start recognizing it because there weren't that many followers. I'd recognize names mm-hmm. and see them like tagging people, you know, tag, and then I start recognizing the names they were tagging. Well, at some point, I forget the kid's name, but he sends me a text and, or sends me a DM. He's like, Hey, can you make a meme of my coach? And I'm like, Sure, who's your coach? And he's like, Mark Juan Jones. I'm like, I don't know who that is. So he, uh, he sends me a picture or something and I, I make a meme of it, you know? And that, if, if I'm remembering right now, actually I can remember the meme. It was, um, oh, well, I took this awesome, there was this great games photo of Quan. You just won an event or something. And you like, you had that, you know, shout that you do. And then I had also had a second photo of Tim Paulson doing like the exact same shout. Uh-huh. And, I, and I put lightsabers in their hands. Nice. It made it look like they were. <laughs> I remember like yeah, it was great. It was really epic. So that's how I like, I started to figure out that like people pass things out amongst gems, yes. you know, and, they all, and they're super secretive about it. So every time I'm doing something dumb, they'll snap a quick picture without me knowing it. And then they'll send it to you right away, which is, oh my God. <laughs> which is something that's always like, what are you doing over there? <laughs> I'll see it. I'll see it in a couple of days on social media or through a group chat that we have text message wise. Oh my God. You have like, you have like spies, John. I know it's great. I'm, yeah. I'm telling you like this, I learned about this is like where I learned about social media. Cause it, it became apparent to me. It's really, it's actually social when it's used right, you know, and when it's used right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so it was really funny. And so I like, I kind of fell in love with their gym from afar and then, you know, started talking to Quan, and then I think we probably met in person the first time at uh, the Mac. So am I remembering yep. that right? Yeah, like 2018, maybe. Yeah, I don't. All the years are running together now. Man. Yeah. Like, after being in quarantine for this song, I, I don't even know what day of the week <laughs> it is. But uh, yeah, so it's uh, so yeah, it was one of the one of the first ones to teach me how to do this. So Quan's <laughs> to blame. If anybody wants to blame somebody, oh, you can DM no. Mark Juan. I, I, had no, I had no idea. Sorry for everyone that's been picked on thus far. <laughs> but um, I feel like it's an awesome page. You know, you, you post just about everything. You're well-rounded. You're consistent. And that's what social media is all about, right? Wow. You know, that is the feedback he needs to hear right now. Because <laughs> no. poor John has been oh. getting laid into recently. Oh my God. Yeah. It's been yeah. a it's been a rough week for everyone. And I'm I'm gonna go on record, Quan. Like I I am have been working hard if within my emotions of going, all right, like of all the bad things that are happening to people this week, getting yelled at on Instagram for making memes is really kind of right. low on the totem pole, right. you know. But good self awareness. But still I mean still you, you have a stand and you took it, you yeah. know. And that's also a platform that you choose to do. I mean, you choose to do that with the platform that you have. And if, you know, everybody's not going to agree with you, you're not going to satisfy everybody. So that's the hard thing about it. Just always keep that in mind. You're not going to satisfy everybody. You know know what's weird though? Like, first of all, like I, I didn't feel like the stand was super controversial for the record. I still don't. I'm going to go to my grave saying that it's not controversial to say that uh, any place might have a diversity problem of some sort. I don't think that that's not like an, an accusatory statement. It's just to say, Hey, like 
Maybe everyone in the room looks alike. Why is that? Doesn't mean, that doesn't even mean you need to change it. It just means like, let's just ask the question. And stated a fact. you stated a fact and most people had some kind of input and yeah. then that's what you're going to have, you know? Well, I think too, for John, like the biggest, the biggest feedback is almost like the people who reach out and are like, Hey, you're a meme page. Why do you have like thoughts and feelings and emotions? <laughs> and I'm like, well, remember I'm a human. Thank you very much. But yeah, it has definitely been, it's been kind of crazy times, a crazy couple of weeks. And you guys, I don't know how you feel, but for me, like, you know, just witnessing everything that's been going on and having really good and progressive, but really heavy conversations lately that have been important have also just felt, I don't know. I'm like, I'm like emotionally drained. I'm like exhausted just from the shittiness and the hate and the, the, deep conversations and the level of understanding that I'm working really hard to try to get. Um, I'm like, I'm like emotionally tired and I'm white. <laughs> so I can't even imagine, yeah, <laughs> you know? Um, and we can, we can kind of dive into that right away. If you guys want to, or we can yeah, ease into you, it however you want. So whatever you want, I mean, how, how have you been affected it's, lately? It's, it's been, I feel like forever this has been going on. Um, but it's been going on for about a solid two weeks now. You know, once the news dropped, everybody was outraged, um, rightfully so. Uh, it wasn't right. Obviously, it was unhumane, something you just can't do, uh, something that's just not right. So whenever you, whenever something initially happens, obviously, you're going to have rage. I even had hateful thoughts at, at one point. Um, and then when things start to calm down a little bit, or when you think it starts to calm down a little bit, you can think a little bit. Mm. Uh, it's not as cloudy as much. You're not thinking now with too much emotion. You are thinking with some emotion, but it's now logic um, instead of being, you know, crazy. And then it ramps back up with the rally, uh, with the rioting and the looting, and then who's starting it and conspiracy theorists and who's not and so on and so forth. So then it makes you angry again because now it ta- it turns to a whole race racial war and we've been going through these same racial wars for hundreds and hundreds of years. And now it's at almost, it seems like the pinnacle of it all. It's like at the tip top of it all. Uh, it's a lot that goes into it far as um, what needs to happen to change. So a lot of stuff has happened. Um, and I'm, I've thought a lot about it. Everybody's posting about it. We're aware of it, um, which is very, very, very important that the world is aware of what's going on. But what's really important is what are we going to do now as a whole to change it all? Mm. So we can still yell. We can still scream. And and right now, I feel like it's a lot of that going on. It's a lot of comments, emotions, opinions. It's a lot of stuff that's thrown out there right now, which is normal in any kind of debate, in any kind of argument. But we need to still figure out how can we change it um, or how can we make things better? And it won't happen overnight. It's going to definitely take some time. Right. We can't, we can't just make a lot of noise and then go back to our regular lives. Exactly. Exactly. You're right. And that, I think that that is the pitfall that we all fall into sometimes, especially given the fact that like the world right now, like our attention spans, like the things that we're used to being outraged about that are on the news that are on social media that are like, we're so conditioned to just go back to status quo so fast. So you're so right. Opening up the conversation into like, what are the actual changes that we can affect and how 
Like someone write down the steps, someone explain the policies that will change and the the actual things that we're trying to fight systematically that are put in place already. Like how do those change? Exactly. And that's where, and that's, and that's where I'm kind of at that point now to where, yes, I was angry. Yes. I had a lot of opinions thrown out. I talked and spoke to to a lot of people, but now I'm at the point where, and I feel like everyone as a whole America needs to get to the point now to what we're going to do to make a change. There's two sides to it. Um, You obviously have the police um, or that whole system, that branch. And then you also have not only black people, but all races Mm -hmm. when it comes down to not being treated equal. So I feel like, it needs to be correction on both sides. And it's not just one side on one side. Um, first off, like cops, whenever you see, whenever we say cops, a lot of people say, yeah, cops are, you have good cops. You have bad cops. I feel like being a cop is a profession where you can't afford to have bad cops. Mm. Uh, very similar to a doctor, very similar to a pilot. Not, I know you guys seen these memes floating around to where you can't afford to have bad cops. Um, or a bad pilot, because if that pilot crashes a plane, then that's going to be, that's not good. Uh, yeah. Same thing with a doctor. If a doctor kills a lot of people, then that's not going to be good. I mean, some, sometimes that occurs because, I mean, it happens, death happens, but you don't want too many bad cops. You don't want any bad out there. So I feel like through that hiring process, and I've been talking to a lot of people, and I don't really know who to even talk to for this, through that hiring p- process, I feel like it has to be more clear. You can't hire cops that have hatred in their heart. And if cops are hired and they have hate in their heart towards, you know, whatever race or ethnicity that it is, then it's going to be, it's going to be tough to weed out or make a change in the future. Um, so that's, that's, that's one stance that I have is whenever you have a cop that's out there and he honestly just don't hate or don't like people for whatever it is, then no good is going to come. Yeah. And like the system around the justice system obviously needs an overhaul on so many levels, but the the system around how those people are, uh, you know, treated and affected when, when conflict comes up and, and I don't know it, I don't know what it is. I just know that clearly there have been things in the past historically that have allowed people to not, you know, get in the trouble that they needed to get in to or or face the property that they needed to face on both sides so yeah systematically there's got to be a change never really thought about it from a hiring level that's so interesting like making it more human making it more humane because when you think about it is it it didn't start with that guy being a police officer and he just come across this black guy he didn't like he was just like i don't like black guy it didn't start there it couldn't have it had to start off and we all know whenever you, however you're born, however you're raised, however you taught, whatever the way is, we just got to figure that out and uh, make sure that people that are being hired are people that are honestly trying to protect and serve. And at a police level, I feel like that's what you're called to do. You take an oath to protect and serve. You don't take an oath to harm others, mm-hmm. um, even when you know things are bad or things are tough for you. You know, so you know what drove me crazy about this one. I mean, they're they're all tragic and and <clears throat> all heartbreaking. This one particularly hit me hard because a guy you know allegedly passed a a forged twenty dollar bill you know on a uh, a bad bill. Now I'm in banking. You know how many bad bills I see a year? Really? 
Oh my God, all the time. So like I've been in banking for 15 years. So let's just say hypothetically, I see 10 a year, which would be a pretty easy number to hit. I've seen 150 over the course of my career. Wow. You know how many of those people I killed? None. Oh. All right. Like seriously, good, like, good. you know, how a many, different podcast. You know how many of them got arrested? None. Oh. Literally none. It's this That's interesting. A, this isn't a crime where you call the cops. You go, hey, this is a bad bill. It isn't like we take them from people all the time. We don't give them back, but we don't call the cops and have them arrested. It's not, this is not a violent offense. We turn them over to the secret service. That's where forged bills go. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but it's, it's alarming to me that at a minute that it's alarming. The guy got handcuffed, let alone pinned to the ground and killed. Like, and, and so for me, it's about policing and, and to Quan's point about, you know, hate in their heart. Like there's, there are moments of de-escalation and moments of even nonviolent offenses where we should be saying there's no chance we should be cuffing someone, passing bad bills. Correct. You know, like it's just not a it's not a violent offense. You know, it's it's, it's just really or even to be handled thing. in that way. He, based off the the stuff that I've seen, it didn't seem like he was resisting much. It didn't seem like he was too much of a problem. I mean, I, I just. It, it it got bad. It got pretty bad, obviously, and, and and obviously that's what you try to stay away from. Yeah. Um, you know what's interesting? I heard this. I was talking to Scott um, from Battle Cancer, who we had on a few episodes ago, and he was an officer, a police officer in the UK for many many years before moving over to running the charity. Did you know that police officers over there are not? armed yeah they carry a flashlight and they go yeah. stop or i'll yell stop again you know they it's like don't they, they don't well, carry yeah. firearms and he was like i was floored maybe i'm the only one that didn't know that yeah but like that. Oh, quan didn't know that <laughs> no, oh, you didn't. no i'm sorry i had no idea i oh, was yeah. like are you kidding me what are you talking about and he was like yeah we have to learn how to like talk to people and communicate to people and get them to like listen to us without pointing a gun in their face because we don't carry guns and the only officers who do carry guns are like like a select few in like the airports and things like that and even to to be allowed to fire their gun they have to go through like a chain of command wow and i was like i can't what does it tell you that i can't imagine a world where i live in an area where an officer isn't armed like what does that say yeah that's so true so another thing that i was thinking of too is is to change um I mean, it, it goes both ways. Obviously, you have the policing system or whatever you want to call that. And then you also have uh, the people, I guess you could say. Um, based off what I saw, on, uh, or most of the time, whenever, I see, well, whenever we see these killings, I don't see any, well, to an extent, you don't see much of resistance that's going on, resisting. Um, you do see everybody complying. Saying, hey, I'm not doing anything wrong, hands behind their back, they go to their chest, go to their knees right away. But I can't say the same for most, you know. So some the ones that the certain instances that I see, I feel like young black males need to be educated on how to comply. Even though in this instance or this case he was compliant, compliant and and it just so happened that he died, and that was not obviously not right. But I have seen certain situations or or, or circumstances to where some black kids will push a police officer to a limit to where it's like, Hey man, you probably shouldn't do that. Or you probably shouldn't be pushing him to that point to where you can get yourself in some deep trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like teaching, man, this is goes along. Go, well, will happen in the future 
or should happen in the future is being able to teach the youth how to respond whenever they are pulled over by a police officer. You know, sometimes I think I listened to your uh, podcast before with EZ where you said you got, you pulled, when you got pulled over by that cop uh, for skipping two lanes and you were speeding and you rolled down all the windows. Believe it or not, I still do that. I roll down all of my windows. I take my keys out of the ignition. I put them on the dashboard and I put my hands on the steering wheel. And I know I was speeding, but you never know what, what can happen. But at the same time, you still got to be compliant and what's going on. That was probably, it's probably a little overboard, but at the same time, you still got to just play things as safe as possible. So I feel like being able to educate will help as well. Yeah. I think about that in two different respects. Like the first is that I hope that someday we get to the point where, yes, we need to educate, you know, everyone, the youth, especially on how to respond to officers. But I really hope that someday everyone gets the same, everyone feels like they have the same response. Do you know what I mean? And, and white, black, Asian, whoever you are, like that, I, I hope that all of our response in the future gets to be the same and that I would never put my hands on a dash. Like that's not something that comes across my mind. You know what I mean? And I hope that it doesn't, have to in the future. That's, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is when you're talking about like not pushing, not pushing back or or figuring out how to be compliant. I think that that all goes back to the very first thing you said, which was we all in that moment, in that moment of emotion and uh, when you're upset and you might be angry or have rage or whatever you want to call it, like we stop thinking logically and it's got to be a way to teach everyone to, on both sides, on the on the people side and on the police side to just try to think logically from the get go, as opposed to we're all driven by emotions. We're all human. And that's, that's where we get into trouble. So just figuring out how to logically react to everyone in those types of situations and open up channels of communication so that they're not scary. Because right now they're so scary. They're so scary. Yeah. Yeah. Which I a hundred percent agree with. And that's, that's, it should get to that point to where, you know, us as blacks should be overboard about every encounter that we have with a police officer. It shouldn't get to that beat. It shouldn't be that, but unfortunately that's the world that we live in, live in. Um, and eventually, like you said, like I said, I feel like that should change and will change and it probably won't, it won't happen in my lifetime, but it definitely will in the next generation. It's like so sad. That's like so sad to hear. I honestly feel like, and I think I heard your, your old, your last podcast, and I was talking to a buddy about this, but I definitely feel like us as Americans are for sure changing for the better. Now, race might be an issue still, but when you think about it, 100 years ago, or maybe even 50 years ago, how open people are about their sexualities these mm-hmm. days would never pass. These, it would never happen these days. Totally. How, how accepting it is for you to, you know, your sex or your sexual orientation to be identified as what you wanted to be identified as. That's definitely changed because, you know, just 50 years ago, that wouldn't be acceptable totally. either. Um, we are a little bit behind when it comes down to the whole racism thing, but I feel like eventually it'll happen. And I feel like it only happens by teaching our next generation. Do you guys feel like like it's us and like people our age and like obviously people yeah. younger than us that are they're trying to pave the way? Do you guys ever feel like we're like kind of like, pushing up against this barrier of the generation above us, like our parents and stuff who are, in my opinion, like much harder to turn around when it comes to this kind of thing. 
And, and those are the people in charge, by the way, like those yeah. lawmakers and people or policymakers who have been doing this forever for generations, like they are our parents age and, and they lived through a different time. And so I find it hard to like try and compel them to change while also still respecting that they lived like their, their viewpoints come from the way that they lived their lives and, right. and they lived through so many things I will never understand. We'll so never understand. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, this generation now is so different. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like the music we listen to is not the same either. The kids that you are around are not the same. And everybody's more, like I said, open to, to mm-hmm. more bigger and better things. So the kids, this generation, hopefully this is the generation that'll change it all whenever, you know, 100 years, 50 years down the road, <clears throat> that'll change it all. I almost want to say, kids these days like we're that old i know like kwan's talking like he's my age so we're like they listen to this music and i just don't understand it at all it's just, these bubble, days with the the rap. Rap. you know some of these kids you look at and you're just like uh what is he saying and what yes. is he doing and, but at the same time those are the kids that they're free spirits they open-minded yeah. about a lot of things and if that's what it takes in order for this society or this world to be different later on in life i guess that's probably what we'll have to do. Ooh, I hate to say it, but oh yeah. God. Oh, okay. Those kids, those kids are going to lead us some God. Maybe, might need some help, but. <laughs> well, look, here, here's the thing. Like, it's really hard to enact change on a global scale where you are. I mean, it just really is. Like, you know, you can write to your congressman and you can march and like all the things people are doing right now are really good. But the real change is done at the minute level. And I, you know, I think Quan, me for you, where you're an affiliate owner and like, you've got people under kind of under your guidance all, you know, all day long, every day, like how, how do you do that? You know, balance, you know, you're running this gym, um, you know, you have, uh, you know, a, a diverse group of members or yeah. energetic, like, a, you know, it's kind of a crazy place. Like, how are you balancing that and what, and making change there? Oh, uh, it's, it's definitely not easy. Uh, and, and like I said, we, we, well, we have a, a wide range of people that's, that, that helps. And it's definitely not easy. We're running into the situation now and I'm just, you know, putting this out there and being honest to where, um, we, we have to think thoroughly before we act, react to certain things, um, which sometimes can be bad. And in this case with this whole, uh, racial stand that people want to take, if you don't respond fast enough, you're racist, which is not the case. Right. Whenever you whenever you make a response or a remark, you want to make sure that it leaves a mark. Right. And people understand that concept. And you want to make sure that they that your message is relayed and that you're standing with the people as well. So um and that's kind of a tough situation now for for me. Um like I said, we just try to respond to each situation differently as much as we possibly can, thoroughly as we possibly can, and think about it as much as we possibly can. And whenever you have a lot of minds to help you with that, because we've got a lot of help across the Rosen Station Athletics, there's a lot of minds around that we could just collab off each other, and then we all can come up with a well-rounded or a thorough plan when it comes down to things that happen, such as this, or anything else that happens, which helps out a lot. The more the more. The, the bigger the team, the better. Well, I'd, I'd really like your, your insight on this. Cause that was my kind of my, my jab this week at CrossFit and the, my quote around it being non-diverse isn't that 
to your point, like, I don't think anybody's racist. As a matter of fact, every gym I've ever set foot in has been incredibly welcoming, friendly, nice. Like any, anyone that walked through the door, didn't matter who they were, got their hand shook, they introduced them to every member in the room. If they were the last one to work out, they, everybody stayed in platform. It didn't matter who they were. And so I've never personally seen a moment where I thought, all right, that person's being discriminated against. But there's what I have, have seen though, is, you know, in the, the nine years I've crossfitted, I've belonged to three gyms and I've probably known less than half a dozen diverse crossfitters that worked right. out with me. And so there's right. something, something <clears throat> keeping other groups of people out besides people that look like me. You know? And and so right. I, that was the question I posed. And so I guess that's what I'm asking you is like, why do you think that is? I feel like the predominant areas that a CrossFit gym has put up is in areas that are moneymaker area, money-making areas. Uh, you wouldn't see for us, um, some of the rough, rougher areas, Camden, Patterson, uh, some of the, some of the rougher areas, you wouldn't see a gym owner ecstatic about opening up a gym there. Um, so for me, my opinion, I feel like that is something that I can definitely change if I'm really looking forward to making a change and getting the sport of CrossFit a little bit more diverse is I could possibly open up a gym in a lower income area. Um, so that could be one way. The memberships are definitely expensive. Um, and then we are a gym, like I said, that we have, <clears throat> fortunate enough, we pull from different areas and we have different price points in order for everybody to experience the CrossFit or have an experience with CrossFit. Oh, that's cool. So our different price points help that out a lot. And fortunate enough, we can pull in, like I said, a, a diverse group. Um, but still, it becomes something that if they run into a pinch or something happens to where money is an issue, CrossFit will be the first thing that is eliminated off the list. Right. So I feel like the price point on CrossFit sometimes can be a little too expensive. And in most gyms that are opened up, uh, they are warehouse style CrossFit gyms. But nowadays, these gyms are really, really nice, you know? Yeah. For sure. So if you if you if you're in a nice area and these gyms are really really nice, you're most likely going to be in a nice area. So it's going to be tough for your gym to be as diverse as possible. Yeah, I think that I I certainly see that as an obstacle. You know, even here in Cleveland, I mean, I'm I'm on the east side in the suburbs, not that far from Lululemon, uh, which isn't shocking for me. <laughs> and, and that's certainly not. They know they know his name there. Yeah, I'm I am known. At Lululemon, I am known. Member there, yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much. Frequent fire. I walk in the. I don't know if you guys have ever seen. You guys are young, so I don't know if you've ever seen Cheers, but I'm like Norm at Cheers. I walk in the door. They're like John, John. welcome back. Yeah, everybody shouts my name. Awesome. You did not just ask the girl from Boston if she knows Cheers. I don't know. Like you're, you're still also like 16 years old. So if only I know a little bit about Cheers. Is that that TV show with the. They, yeah, like half the time spent in the bar or something like that. There you Where go. Everybody yeah. knows your name. Everybody knows your name. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Uh, I, so I see that as an obstacle for me. Like I would, I would love to see some sort of outreach more to young people. Like I, that's the area that I see as a real impact. I mean, you're, you know, you're an athlete now, but you're an athlete in college. God forbid if we have to talk about Clemson. Um, but like, I look at, you know, like uh, when I was training with Scott, like he would bring in the men or soccer team and they would yeah. train at mentality twice a week. He just worked out a deal with the, with the coach there and, you know, gave them a really low rate and they would come work out twice a week. And so these kids are getting exposed to CrossFit. They're getting better at, at soccer. And all of a sudden you got a room, you know, full of kids that 
you know, all look different and they're getting exposed right. to it, whether it sticks and they decide they want to do it long-term. I don't know, but like, I think that's the future of our sport, you know, and, and the future of our gyms. And like, I think right now, you know, if coming out of the pandemic, like a lot of gyms are not going to reopen and, and finding yeah. people that want to join and be fit and, you know, and, and to stay healthy is going to be critical if we're going to, you know, yeah. rebound from this. You know? That's true. And it's, it's honestly tough to keep the members that we have now throughout, throughout this whole pandemic. Oh, yeah. So, right. um, yeah, you, you definitely got a point and to pull athletes or, you know, a diverse group from, from, from sports and having them trained during their off season is definitely an avenue or route that you can take. And if you have the space to do it, you can definitely do it for sure. So I definitely feel like and I agree with that. You know, can I tell a cool story? Yeah. I have a, I have a girlfriend here in Rhode Island, uh, who is a teacher at one of the, at one of the middle schools that is in a less affluent area. And she, um, built and incorporated a CrossFit kids program at the school that they do it like a, like a phys ed class, but they do CrossFit and the kids like can opt into it and they freaking fell in love with it. And it's, it's so sad now, right? Cause like schools are all like learn from home and you can't really do like fitness over zoom and the kids get self-conscious and it's like kind of all jacked up now, but you know, it took her a while and she built this program and, and, and the kids just like, they ate it up. So I just, I, that would be really cool to see more teachers and phys ed teachers and, and, you know, people who are affecting kids in all schools, in all areas of all socioeconomic statuses. Like that could be a really cool way to bring kids into the yeah. world. The fold. We actually um, have a, a member at our gym that does the same thing. So cool. He, um, a lot of students wanted to participate so much. They offered to pay for her L1 and they oh. got like a couple thousand dollars worth of equipment there for her as well. So it was Come pretty on. cool. That's, yeah. see, that's that. cool. That's like a CrossFit gym yeah. stepping up into an area where maybe those kids couldn't otherwise be exposed to it. Like yeah. let's do more yeah. of that. That's awesome. Yeah. It's possible. So it's possible. It's a, it's a definitely a journey and it's definitely something that will take some time and it's, mm. it can, it can happen though. You know, if you wanted to change the sport, so yeah, this is the thing I want to figure out. Like, I don't know. We have to talk about it again off air at some point, but I'm, I'm really trying to like rack my brain around how do we really make an impact? And it, my right. gut tells me right now, that's where it is. Like it's in the kids. Yeah. Like you got to find a way to start attracting kids to the sport. Like I have two daughters, I, you know, I've said this on the show a lot, 18 and 16, like they're the future of this country. Like, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm not hopeful that this next generation is going to fix this. I know they're going to fix it because I see my daughters. They're everything right. I wasn't right. at that age, you know? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, and I see that in their friends and the people they talk to and like, they, you know, legitimately like the kids will come over and you have no idea who's going to show up with them. And they don't ever discuss it as even being, you know, like if whoever's coming with them, isn't Caucasian. It, they don't even think that way. It's just like, Oh, this is my friend. So-and-so and they just show up, right. you know, sure. the generation special. And I think if we can get them, involved in the sport and start to drive it, it it's going to be good for the sport awesome yeah you know? forget the sport yeah. your girls need to run for senator <laughs> well they'll, they'll do that too but i mean at some point people are going to get tired of looking at five six white guys like you know i mean i'm tired Fra fraser's I'm tired great now fraser's great and all but i'm actually um, glad you bought that up though because when, when when now you bring up a topic of racism and all this other stuff you think of systemic racism that happens as well Right. So a lot of people feel like, and this is this is a part of me that I stand by strongly. Um, 
yes, it's this systemic racism is something that's a hundred percent real. Um, I'm a believer of it, and at the and until to an extent, I am because you can still choose to not be in the situation that you were put in. Um, and I feel like I'm a I live through that based off experience. Um, as I grew up, I lived with my mom until I was 12. I wasn't raised with my father until I was 12. Um, one summer I decided to go visit my dad and I never came back to my mom. Um, so I moved with my dad when I was 12. My mom lived in Georgia at the time. My dad lived in South Carolina <clears throat> and my mom was great. She, we, with six of us, it's six of us. Um, on my dad's side, it's three of us. So I pretty much have a lot of siblings, but my mom lived in a situation or we were in a situation to where, uh, we didn't have the money. We didn't have the necessary means to do whatever it is that we could do. But my mom did everything possible to give us as much as we, she possibly could. Um, meaning that she made a choice and did not play victim to not being able to have my son sign up for peewee football. She did what she had to do. She made a choice. Um, if I want my son to play football next year, I'm going to work another job, pick up another shift. Um, whatever it is, save up 300 bucks for my son to sign up for Pee Wee football next year. And she did that year in, year out. I remember, you know, income tax would come through. She would give me 300 bucks. I would have to save my 300 bucks, wait till August. And I would sign up first in line to sign up for Pee Wee football. And I respect my mom for that. You know, um, she was very, like I said, active and thoughtful and free spirited with a lot of things. She taught us a lot of things. And she also taught us, you know, not to be a victim of, um, whatever it is that most people feel like they are now. Now, <clears throat> like I said, I do believe uh, systemic racism is a thing, but at the same time, I I feel like it's some of the stuff is a choice, and it's a lot harder. It is harder for you to just pack up all of your things in a low income area and just move to a mid mid class area or a high class area. It's a lot harder to do that because like the system, you just don't quite fit into that, that system. Mm -hmm. Um. Which brings me to my father. When I moved with my dad, we lived in a, a rough area. Um, it's called Winsboro, South Carolina. Uh, we, I went to a Fairfield Middle School. If you look, look it up, it's a small town. Uh, it was a lot of trouble there. Um, it was a predominantly black area. Um, and we could have easily fell victim to that. My dad said, hey, there's no opportunity here for my kids. So we moved about 30 minutes, 45 minutes away. We moved to Columbia, South Carolina. Um, now Columbia is pretty much, <laughs> it's pretty bad. But at the time, it wasn't too bad. Um, I went to a diverse school to where it was about 50-50 on black and white students. Um, got into football big time, met some cool coaches, met some cool people, uh, was in a diverse environment, diverse setting. But none of that wouldn't have happened. First off, my, my mom teaching me a solid lesson to where I don't, you shouldn't fall victim even when you are in a bad environment, not a good place. Try to make some light out of it. Don't fall victim to it. Rise above it. And, you know, make something happen out of nothing. And then when I move with my dad is, again, don't fall victim to it. If you want something to happen, make something happen. Get out of the circumstance, the situation that you're in and try to be productive with your life. And I feel like <clears throat> whenever we moved, uh, we went to, a, you know, a huge high school. Uh, it was newly built, actually. It was a huge high school. It had 2,000, 3,000 students. Uh, football team was pretty good. <laughs> so that made things even better whenever um, just my dad taking that chance 
and we just so happened to go to a football or a school, a football school, pretty much that, you know, took off, won a state championship. A lot of colleges were there and a lot of opportunity was there just off the, you know, the slightest situation of getting us. And it was tough for my dad. He worked two jobs. My, my stepmom at the time, she worked two jobs in order for us to pay the mortgage, in order for us to eat, in order for us to have clothes on our back, so on and so forth. But we still, my parents still made the best of the situations and, you know, it helped out in the longer run for sure. So that's another thing I feel like can change in our next generation or the people now. You feel like you've fallen into that system or systemic racism, then do everything you possibly can to get out of it, rise above it. And and, and it won't be easy, but it's definitely something you can strive for or push for. How how did you rise above going to that shitty college you went to? Oh, here we go. Here we go. I don't know. They seem pretty good to me. What you think? I'm still Ohio bitter. State. I am bitter about that Ohio State loss. I'm I'm yeah. not I'm not letting it go. I'm not letting think, it go. I think I think we owe you guys right now because we uh I think we just got your number. We know how to beat Ohio State. <laughs> well, well, here's look. I didn't grow up in Ohio, so to be fair, I'm an Ole Miss fan, which makes it even worse. Um, <laughs> so you know, it's like as an SEC, you know, growing up following the SEC, Clemson was always the team that should have been in the SEC because they were good enough to be part of that uh, league, but they never were. And so we always kind of low-key hated Clemson because they were too good for the ACC and they weren't, they weren't playing with us, you know, and then I got here and you guys have been beating Ohio state. It's just, it's been a long time, man. It's been a long time. I feel like we just lost our receiver, um, Justin Ross. So I feel like, I mean, it's only one guy, but at the same time, I feel like uh, we're going to be pretty good for a long time. So get used to it, buddy. Yeah, well, they say, they say we'll probably see them play again. Ohio State's supposed to be good this year, too, so we'll see. I mean, it's, it's assuming everybody gets to play, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's true as well. They'll play. Yeah. There's there's too much money in, in football for them not to play. They'll figure it out. One, for sure. One way or another. I have kind of like one last question because I feel like it's going to be kind of a long answer. But going back to just, you know, how you were able to sort of get yourself out of the what could have been a rougher situation as a kid and, and how influential your parents were in that respect. It sounds like in addition to working real hard and being real driven, both of them, they both also had like a, just a really positive mental outlook on what the possibilities were and, and what the outcome could be for their kids. And that's sometimes the hardest part, <laughs> staying Correct. positive amidst all the shit. How, how do you, how did you learn from them and how do you nowadays, you know, I think this is really timely given everything that's going on. Like how do you stay positive or force yourself? Yeah. To- yeah. That's, that's also a great question. You know, um, it's not easy. And, and it's times where you do want to just say, forget it mm-hmm. and just give up. But by you giving up, I mean, that's only going to make the situation worse. Mm-hmm. So it's almost to a point where you have no choice, but to keep going. So if you are consistently in a hole or in a rut, in a rut, and you just continue to lay there or stay in that hole or in a rut, then things will never get better for you. So it's just one of those situations where you have to keep driving and just have to keep making something. You got to almost be afraid to fail more or be afraid to fail. And if you, if you make your mind up, push yourself, you know, take some chances things will definitely come out on a, on a brighter side for you, for sure. 
See, it wasn't too long, Nikki. You thought no, that was going to be too long. That's good. I love it. That's good advice. I could yeah. use it right now. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's and then on my dad, my dad's side, my dad was also he was, you know how it is. And testosterone start to flow, and you know, forget this person, forget that, mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. But it's been times and situations to where he, you know, we all we all get angry, we all get mad at certain things that happens in life, and you let that anger happen. You blow up, do whatever it is that you have to do, give yourself a couple of days. And then he always responded well whenever he was able to think logically. Yeah. And that's another thing that I learned from, you know, my dad. My mom's kind of the same way as well, but she's more of a free spirit. If you meet her now, she just like she kind of goes with the flow with everything, you know? That's cool. It gets to a point to where like you kind of just keep fighting, you know? You just kind of just kind of gotta keep doing what you gotta do in order for you to get where you want to get. So and that's a big thing. I think being allowed to like feel all your feelings is a big part of it that like right. no one really says out loud. Like it's okay yeah. to feel all the things, like all exactly. the feels. Be pissed, be mad, yeah. let, it out, let it out. Because I mean, that's all normal and natural human emotions. Um, the issue is that we run into is sometimes people don't know how to feel and, and think, you know, reason with reason. So you got to let those emotions come out and then, you know, give people some time, sometimes to just get it together. Yeah. To and, they, you, and then come back with some kind of logical yeah, right. thought process. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's, that's totally fair. Comes down to that for sure. Yeah. So, so, so here's my important question. How's Guns of the Blue Pit doing? <laughs> he, uh, he is definitely laying down right now in the room. He's, um, <laughs> so <laughs> he can't go to the gym. We, we, we go to the gym. Most of the time, but sometimes he stays at home. When he goes to the gym, when I say he is waiting for somebody to just run, come through the door so he can just <laughs> run up on them, he, they, they're not there. No, nobody's coming in. So he almost doesn't even like going to the gym anymore. So what we start doing is, is we go for long runs and long walks, which sucks because every day he's expecting this long run or oh. long walk. So it's like, you gotta, I, I gotta go for extra runs and extra extra walks, et cetera, with him. And it's sometimes a long time, but we just started doing um, outdoor workouts, park workouts with nice. uh, our CrossFit community. So he comes out there and he just, he sees everyone and he runs around as much as he possibly can. He loves it. So, so we've been doing the exact opposite. Both my dog and I are getting fatter in quarantine. Uh, just <laughs> walking or running. Huh? Nope. Yeah. Just baking oh. bread. This awesome. That's nothing wrong with that for sure. For me, that's the the funny part to me about social media is like you get to know not only you get to know people, like you know, obviously I met you and Casey, but then I get to know your dog. You know, they he has his own webpage, he has his own Instagram, of course. And you know, you start following and like you see the posts and Casey sent me a photo of him sitting at the door, like looking for members coming in. It was so sad. That uh that is that that's definitely him. And he's just sitting there like who's coming in? He loves Andrea, one of our coaches. She comes in and give them all the treats and spoil. She does what pretty much I don't do, but Casey and Andrea does. They just spoil them all day, which uh, is necessary. But necessary. <laughs> the eye roll <laughs> says it <Yeah>. all. <laughs> so he just waits on Andrea to come in, but it's been two months, so he can't. He hasn't yeah. been seeing her. Once he does, he will. He'll probably be excited about it. He just walked by. He also had uh, um, some weird thing going on with his eye. Uh, mm. Ulcer, corner, corner. Uh, what? Corneal ulcer, and he's been like walking around one out. <laughs> <laughs> it, depends on, it depends on who it is, because he'll like 
he'll he'll walk up on somebody who will spoil him and he'll have his eye closed like he's hurting. But if it's me, uh-huh. he'll, he'll, yeah, yeah, he's, he's smart. Smart guy. Tricky. Yeah. So, like I said, I feel like most stuff that you guys touched on was definitely like uh, easy. Talked about it big time. Yeah. Um, but I feel like a correction, um, and I feel like you know how to correct things or fix things in the future is something that uh, it needs to be discussed and needs to be talked about for sure. I just hope yeah. we can get people comfortable in a space with open dialogue. That was probably my biggest disappointment of the weekend. Like if I could, if I just summed it up in one sentence, that's it. It's like people yeah. just weren't willing to have the dialogue. Like I just yeah. kept getting hammered with people yelling at me going, my gym welcomes everybody. I'm like, I didn't say anything about your gym. Like, congratulations. Yeah. You're in a great gym. High five. Love you. Like every gym I've ever been to welcomes everybody. That's Everyone so true. In my, you know, everybody in my gym's white. Like we have a diversity problem. I love my gym. I love my coaches. I love everyone there. It's not like I'm not critiquing them or blaming them. Just that's how it is. Yeah. 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 Like, and that's, that's kind of the issue that's going on now. You know, everybody's just talking, 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 but nobody can sit down to have a conversation. Right. Uh, because again, the government's got to have to fix this some kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem definitely starts off. It's not going to be one person. It's going to have to be a group, a group of, politicians to just say hey we need to cut it out right here right now and you know who's going to be strong enough to stay uh, to do that you know right. yeah so man, it's going to take a while it's going to take a long time so yeah but i'm just glad that we on this level can can start having this open dialogue where there's no finger pointing and there's no blaming you know it's just conversation and it's okay it's okay to point out things that we want to see change without saying you're right or you're wrong or you're racist. Like it it just is what it is. And let's work together to evaluate and fix. The one thing I will say about CrossFit that's interesting along this topic, you know, I, I've had a lot of people messaging me, you know, pissed that CrossFit hasn't put out a, a statement when all these other companies have. And I get that. Like I, I honestly get that and I don't disagree with it necessarily, um, but the one thing I will say about CrossFit, they have literally the lowest entry point of ownership of probably any franchise on the planet. Well, it's like three grand, right? To, to pay affiliate right. fees or whatever it is. Think yep. about that. You know how much you have to pay to own a Chick-fil-A, you know, or, or McDonald's <laughs> or name, name sure. a franchise that you have to pay for. And there are a lot of Chick-fil-A's and a lot of McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's and my point. Like, which, which I can, I can see, you know, you can understand that. And, um, but whenever you have supposedly a mixed group or a diverse group of CrossFitters or community, you want to try to make a stand for everything. And that's what most people just want to hear. They just want to, yeah. they just want to see something or hear something. Yeah. And that's the issue that, you know, we run into right now with CrossFit for sure. I do think like just to play devil's advocate a, a little bit, because I do think that staying silent is taking a stand. And I would like to see anyone and everyone in this entire planet just at least step up and say, you know, we're, we're in support of not being racist for God's sake. Right. Um, right. But I will say it, because I work in marketing and I work for with brands, I understand the hesitation to find the right words, yeah, which is, and cause I just, I feel like sometimes no matter what you say, you're going to piss some people off. I mean, I can't, I can't tell you how many um, times I scrolled through my feed on Tuesday when we had blackout Tuesday and saw what I thought was supportive 
messages and then also saw the reaction from so many groups being like, well, does it really matter that you put a black square on your social media? Because how else are you supporting? And I'm like, wait, so was it wrong? Wait, did I do it? Was it right? Was it the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? So I just, I understand why sometimes it takes time to find the right words. And that's why I, I mean, some people might go out there and blame these brands who haven't said anything like right off the bat, like you're silent and that's wrong. And I get that. But I just maybe I'm a little bit more lenient where I'm like, I don't know, give it a second. Like the world is on fire right now. Maybe they're just fire. trying to find nobody's listening. Right. Everybody's- nobody's listening. And and they're going to get criticized. Like they they there's no way they could say anything even super, super supportive without getting criticized in one way, shape, or form. So I don't know. I just I have a little bit of of sympathy in that respect. Well, and my point to the three grand is just like to you know, Quan was talking earlier about let's, you know, put some gems and in the inner city or in, you know, in areas that have higher diversity or whatever at three grand, you can do that. That's not a lot of money. Like three grand is, I mean, it's a lot of money to a lot of people, including myself, but for a franchise fee, it is not a lot of money and you could absolutely. It's not not too hefty. You do have bills to pay. You do have, you know, other expenses, but for the most part, you're right. Um, Three grand is not too, too bad um, yearly. Um, So I feel like, yeah, it's definitely possible. If the membership prices are right, yeah, whatever. You can dive into the crunch the numbers, but for sure, three grand is not terrible. Yeah, I guess that's my point. Is like you know, for uh, you know, you start looking at how complex this issue is. Like we really start breaking it down financially. I think there are some ways that we as a community can lock arms and go. You want know we we want to bring people into the sport. Any people, you know, like just bring every as many people in as we can. And there are certainly areas that we are not serving. Cleveland's a great example of that. I mean, Cleveland's probably just like the area you're in. Like all the gyms I'm in are are literally two miles from Lululemon. And I don't know if you've seen where they put Lululemons, but they're usually in pretty nice shopping centers. Sure, you know? sure. Yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're in the middle. We're, we're in the middle. We're in the heart of it all. Like I said, we we are close to some lower income areas and we're also close to some high income areas. So like I said, we accommodate for, not even accommodate for everybody, but at the same time, people are willing to pay the extra dollar to you know get the help that or accept the programs that we have to offer uh the price points are definitely a little bit different so it helps out a lot for sure that's cool i like that yeah so So before we wrap wrap up and uh it is a crossfit podcast Quan. what are you doing next in crossfit yeah ah okay so i was super excited about this crossfit season just because one i've never come close to qualifying for the games through the open and i did get hit with a couple uh, big penalties, or not necessarily big penalties, but some penalties that definitely hurt me in the longer run. So I was super excited about this year. Um, I was probably going to be the only guy that did the most sanctionals. I had five sanctionals, five sanctionals lined up, and I already did two. I wasn't quite ready for uh, mayhem, and b- before Brazil, I went snowboarding probably three weeks before. I never told anybody this. I went snowboarding probably three weeks before for the first time. And the first thought, time was that, yeah. was that a good idea? It was not a good idea. Mm-hmm. I think I jammed my wrist pretty good. Oh, <laughs> you know, I, I was working around that. My coach was programming for me. It was snowboarding was definitely fun, but it was worth it at the same time. I'm, I'm sure. the type of person that I like to enjoy my life and, you know, you know, have a little bit of fun here and there while still competing, but that wasn't a good idea. Uh, came in fourth 
at Brazil. And then I was like starting to feel a good groove, feeling strong. The conditioning was there. Um, I think Mid-Atlantic, which I did well for Mid-Atlantic last year. Yeah. And it was going to be really competitive this year. Mid-Atlantic programs really well. I mean, in, in my, they always have a heavy barbell, some kind yeah. of way, a lot of heavy barbells. And I was excited for that. <clears throat> I was most excited to see you there. Yeah. yeah. So I was, I was super pumped for that. It was really competitive. Um, those guys would have definitely pushed. And then I also had a competition in Asbury, which was yes. just like my backyard. So it would have been like a, you know. Same. Try to yeah. So it would have been like, you know, I would have, I would have tried my best to like qual- qual- qualify for the games at, at Asbury. And it would have been probably the coolest experience ever, ever, you know, being at home uh, and competing at Asbury. And if Asbury didn't work, I also had the Mayan championship. <laughs> I was going to do the qualifier in March. Yeah. Uh, that so it was going to be a busy off season. And then by the time I got to the games, I was just going, you know, try my best. Try my best to get something done there. But um, I feel like that's what it's set up for. You know, it's more opportunity for you got, for us to qualify for the games. Yeah. Uh, you kind of got to take advantage of it and be smart at the same time. Brazil was really close. Brazil was kind of a last minute one that I signed up for. Uh, me and Rasmus, I think, got in at the last minute on that one. So that was going to be interesting. Now, since everything's canceled, uh, I don't think they're giving out wild cards. If they are, I'll take it. But I'll be that. have the space available. Um, it's either that or James Newberry. I feel like James Newberry should get a, a automatic bid for that. To be uh, fair, you know, he I, was what? Uh, podium. Ah, we're top. Thought he was fifth. What yeah. a pop yeah. yeah. So it was like I feel like James Newberry definitely should. I say we treat we treat the ranch like Area Fifty One. They can't stop us all, Quan. They I, can't stop us oh all. Oh my God! Everybody just, rushes. Yes, <laughs> let's just rush the ranch. Let's do it. It's true. It's two thousand twenty too. Because like it's, everything's going. Every every crazy thing that's happening. Yeah, is happening. that's right. Every crossfitter show up and just work out. Who's going to stop us? Yeah. I feel like on a slightly more realistic note, <laughs> I feel like probably the athletes that are coming from way far away, if the games go down the way that we all think or hope they're going to go down uh, in Aromas, probably like the Australian athletes and athletes coming from far away are going to have a difficult time actually getting yeah. there. Yeah. Which is a bummer. There, it is definitely a bummer. Yeah. Um, and my standpoint on that, I feel like they probably should have canceled it. Like Really? I do. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I mean, the Olympics canceled it, and that's probably it's one of true. the big events that you ever have. Do you feel like you're above the Olympics? I don't feel and like it's. You, I don't. I, yes, mm, they do. Yes, they no, do. Feel like they're above the Olympics. Like, at the same time, do you think that like you're bringing the best talent there is to Aromas? Do you think you'll even be able to have the best events? Because see, I now mean, we're I, asking the hard questions. No. The- Yes. These are good questions. They, they are. are good questions. Where they are. are they going to swim? You got to have a swim event. Where are they going to swim? No They're going to drive two hours away to. I mean, it's probably all, it'd probably be easier to transport people because it's not many. But still, it's like, yeah. How yeah. are you going to have? You know, you, when you think of CrossFit Games, it's like, you know, event one is on this stage. Event two is here. Event three is here. Event right. four, everything's just going to be. I don't know, and it, and I, I, I hate to say it, but. It, you know, you, you got what twenty people competing, thirty people competing, and it's mm-hmm. like, uh, who's who's gonna who's gonna? We have the best of the best there. That's know. my. 
I feel like as a, and this has nothing to do with the fact that like I have, you know, been at games and worked at games, but as a fan, I'm excited at the possibility of having some sort of competition to watch, look ahead to like, given the craziness of the year and the turmoil that we went through in quarantine and not being able to go to our gyms and watch you at sanctionals. Like I'm excited to have something. And I know there'll always be like an asterisk next to this year. You know what I mean? I know that it's like the crazy year where we cut half the field before because they couldn't qualify via sanctionals. And then we went back to the open and it was just weird. The qualifying process was weird. And some people's invitations got taken away and it was like bizarre. So like, I get all of that, but like knowing that they're doing everything that they possibly can to give us an event to watch to me as a fan, I'm still stoked about, even though I'll ask the same questions. Like, was it the best people? Were they the best event? Did they do everything that they could have done? At the end of the day, I don't know, but at the end of the day, I'm still like excited and thankful Correct. that there might be something all for me to watch. Takes, all it takes though is one. You know, we all know that you know Matt Fraser is dominant right now, obviously, but all it takes is one to just ruin that. Ooh, will interesting. Will, will he be there? Will he be there? That's a great I question. Know a lot of guys that are working right now, and I'm, I, you know, I'm hopeful to so, you know give him a push, and it's gonna yeah. make it, it'll make the games very exciting if it totally. gets to a point to where him being dethroned is pressured. Not saying that's what I want him to be dethroned, but I definitely want to see something that's just like just So just see, good- aren't you glad it's not canceled? Yet? I guess, I guess like, we don't really know what's happening, but I guess so. You just switch that up on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Nikki, what I want to see. I want to see if you if you go do the sideline reporting. The first mm-hmm. time you interview Frazier, I want you to go, so Matt, Quan tells me your competition sucked this year. Ooh. And see what he says. That'd be great. Tell him tell him that. Yeah. Or or go to, I don't know, Chandler Smith or 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 Noah Olson and say, Marquand said uh, Matt Frazier is going to win it all and see how they respond to it. What do you guys think? <laughs> what do you think? They'll probably say, no, we're going to give him a run for his money. Hopefully. Well, that'd be, that's a, you have to have that attitude. You can't just get in there being like, well, I guess that well, guy's going to win, but we'll just do the best we can. I think athletes are closing the gap. Noah showed that last year. For sure. J- James showed it. Like James sure. made a great showing. Um they're absolutely getting closer. And to your point, Quan, like, like, you know, I, I have said for the last couple of years, cause I wasn't always a Matt fan, but I'm a, he's kind of a big fan. Cause he's a nice dude and he's yeah. worked super hard. I'm not taking anything away from him, but I've said like for the last couple of years, I'm not going to say anybody's going to beat him until I see it happen. Well, then last year at the games, like Noah got real close, you mm-hmm. know? And I was cool. like, Oh shit, it's about to happen. This is going to be really awesome. And then it didn't happen. I was like totally bummed, but <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's not- I'm yeah. all for the champions though, because you know, like a lot of people hated when the Patriots won it, kept won it, kept winning, kept winning. Uh, but you gotta respect you gotta respect a champion simply oh, because yeah. they put just as much work in as the person that's trying to beat them. If I mean obviously if not more, obviously. So yeah, it's definitely a respect line there for sure. Matt's the get Matt's the man, but you definitely want to see him get challenged for sure. Yeah, yeah, it makes for a more interesting yeah. competition. We're we're good friends with Chandler. We he he'll be there. We'd like to see him give Matt a run yeah. for his money. He's focused sure. right now. I've been, been talking yes. to him a little bit, and he's definitely focused, which is so cool. Which is really good as well. He's got to um, fix that fix that front rack and those shitty little calves of his. There, <laughs> there's not a there's not an episode that goes by where John yes. does not jump on the opportunity to make fun of Chandler's like lack of mobility or his tiny calves. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, man, <laughs> that front rack needs some help, but he's still he's he's strong. So he's so strong. Oh my god, he's so strong. That's not. It's not. 
Chandler, shout out to Chandler. If you hear, if you listen to this, this is two podcasts in a row. I've talked about his calves. I might change the name of the podcast to make Chandler's calves great again. <laughs> <laughs> See what he say. Um, um, so as far as the future now, I'm getting ready for the open. Good. Uh, good. We are sorry to change the subject, but, um, forged by Zeus. Uh, we still have Tim Polson that's getting ready for the games right now. Um, and I believe since they just made this rule change, Meg's, I don't know if she's in it still or not. Right. Or to death, but we still um, still gearing up for that, I guess. So a lot of things we do or that I we've been doing is uh, we all have similar workouts and we just compare scores just so we can yeah. give Tim that, Tim that push right now. So some workouts that I'm doing is definitely helping him. But at the same time, it's a lot of focus on building a foundation for me. So I'm doing longer cardio pieces. So the motor is getting better and then doing CrossFit style workouts or CrossFit open style workouts where you just got to rev the engine up a lot. <clears throat> and then also build a gymnastic base and strength base at the same time. So, um, so just all good. the things, just, just doing a little yeah. bit of uh, all yeah. the things, yeah. just getting really good. But that at stuff starts to change when it gets closer to like regions or not regionals, excuse me, but, um, RIP. Yeah, RP regionals. But some of that stuff starting to change when you get close to sectionals and the games, et cetera, because there's only about so much you can do. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, right now it's just geared for the open and let some of these little injuries heal up and yeah. go from there. Don't yeah. go snowboarding again. Go snowboarding. That was really fun. It was so fun. <laughs> yeah, but I did. I'm going to get a season pass next year. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> We're going to get into some snowboarding. And we never <laughs> saw Marquan again. Yes. <laughs> You'll probably see me like at the X Games or something. That's <laughs> right, of course. Hey, whatever it takes, man. Whatever it takes. Marquan, thanks for being on, man. It's been super yeah, fun catching up. Yeah. Problem, John. It, yeah, no. It was great. For everyone listening, you guys need to make sure you're following Quan uh, on Instagram. Like, they have some, there's some great CrossFit going on up in New York. I mean, you just mentioned Tim Paulson, Meg Reardon, you know, so. You guys need to keep track of that because it's uh, it's fun to watch. So, Nikki, thanks for being on as well. Thank you. Love the headband tonight. Very sweet. Thanks. Thanks. All right. For everyone listening, thanks for being on. We will talk to you guys soon.